0: You're listening to a sermon from New City Fellowship in Manassas, Virginia. New City Fellowship is a diverse community that proclaims the gospel and makes disciples for the glory of God and the renewal of our city. For more information, visit newcityfellowship.net. All right, so we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21, and um, before we jump in, I just want to give a little review of what's been happening um, in our midst uh, since we started Ephesians, So, or, or in our text, I'm sorry. So, we are... Coming to the end of the third chapter, and if you remember at the beginning I mentioned Ephesians has two main sections, and the first main section is very theological. It provides a foundation for everything that Paul is going to say in the second section. So today we're going to finish that first section. And so as a recap, I would like to just remind us that in chapter 1, Paul talks about the salvation that he provi- that God provides for us. He um, talks about the doctrine of election and predestination. He also uh, tells us how each person of the Trinity functions or plays a, a, a role in our salvation. Uh, the Father plans uh, or decrees our salvation. The Son is sent to execute or uh, achieve our salvation. And then the the Son sends the Spirit to seal us or apply this salvation and becomes our inheritance uh Uh, or the person who will ensure our inheritance. Um, So that's chapter 1. Chapter 2, Paul explains the gospel to us, that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And this is across the board. Everybody deserves condemnation, but through Jesus we are saved. He tells us that we are saved by grace. uh, And then he also tells us that this salvation that we have produces works in us. And then he introduces the concept of the reconciliation, uh, the ethnic reconciliation between Jews and Gentiles. He, Paul, says that there is no longer two people or two kinds of people. There's only one man that God has reconciled us to each other. He actually uses the the terminology of he has broken <laughs> down the dividing wall of hostility. And not only among or between each other, but also as humans with him, he also reconciles us to himself. Um And then chapter 2 ends by Paul stating that we are now all being built together as one structure in which Jesus is a cornerstone, that we are being built together as a dwelling place for God and talking about the church as one structure. Then chapter 3, Paul dives a little more into this concept and explains the hidden mystery, uh, the hidden uh, mystery for ages that God is now revealed to us, which is that the salvation of the Jewish uh, God is is not exclusive for the Jewish. It's also for everybody. And he's no longer the God of the Jews. He's the God of all creation. Uh, Paul explains that uh, as a church, we have the responsibility to make known the manifold wisdom of God or the diverse wisdom of God. And then he prays for his church or the church in Ephesus. And that's where we find ourselves today so the first thing we're going to read is paul saying for this reason and before i read that i want you to if you have your bibles turn to the first verse of chapter 3 and he actually says the exact same thing paul in chapter 3 verse 1 says for the for this reason and then he says i paul prisoner of christ and then he goes on on a rabbit trail to explain the mystery hidden for ages and then he is now picking back up what he was about to say in, chapter, in verse 14. And he says, for this reason... So he's now finally going to say what he meant to say at the beginning of chapter 1. So this is where we pick up today. And so let's go ahead and read our text for this morning. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Context of what Paul is saying. Again, I already uh, mentioned that when he says this reason, the first thing we hear is or see is for this reason. The the reason that Paul is is referring to is precisely everything he just said before that. So remember, Paul ends chapter 2 talking about this new church, this new structure that God is knitting together, uh, made up of different ethnic groups. And then Paul is about to pray for us and he says, for this reason, that was chapter 2, and then he goes on on a, on a rabbit trail to expand on this mystery, hidden for ages, of God bringing salvation to all kinds of people. And then Paul continues that and finishes that section, and then he now goes back and says, okay, now for this reason, this time for real, the reason is that God has now brought salvation to Gentiles, that God is not no longer just or he's never actually been only interested in Jews, but he's now interested in everybody being saved because of this, for this reason. So now Paul is going to pray to that end or, uh, or for that reason. He goes on to ask the Father for specific things. So let's go ahead and, and, and see what is it that Paul is praying for uh, when it comes to the Ephesian church. So before I say that, this is a complicated prayer, and Paul prays for the Ephesian church about eight times in the entire book. And this one is probably one of the hardest to decipher. If you read it the first time, it's a little confusing. Um, the begin, so, but the, the idea behind this is that they are all intertwined. The first one leads you to the second one. The second one leads you to the third one, and so on. So let's take it one at a time. So we see in verse 16 that Paul prays and says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you. So that God, based on his riches and his glory, will grant us or may grant us. And he says the first thing is to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. That is the first thing that Paul prays for the Ephesian church. And What I want to recognize and, and also believe is that we also need these things today. Remember, Paul is talking about this new church that has been created. A new church that was made up of Jews and Greeks and Assyrians and all kinds of different people from all kinds of different ethnicities. And he's praying for them because of that reason. And the first thing he says is, I want, I pray that God will strengthen you. With His Spirit. These new people that are being built together as one structure need the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is important for us today. And this is something that we need to pray today as well. Again, we talked about this last week. Preaching to people from different places is, dif- is difficult. Being among people from other cultures is difficult. There are things That Mexicans eat that will probably make your stomach turn because you can't even see them. Because some of them move and they're delicious. Um, (laughs) But it takes the power of the Holy Spirit to get along with each other and do things that are not easy for you to see or to understand. And Paul is addressing this and praying for this church because that's exactly what was happening. There were people in the new church, especially specifically in the Ephesian church, who had no problem eating pork any day. And next to them, there were Jews who could not fathom eating that any day. And maybe one of those people came into church smelling like they just cooked some carnitas. And every, the Jews were like, oh my gosh, what is happening? So Paul is saying... I'm going to pray that God will grant you the power of the Holy Spirit to strengthen you. Because it's going to be hard. And this is a power that we need. In fact, this is not something new. This is something that Paul is praying because they already have it. They already have the power of the Holy Spirit. In a way, it sounds almost like he's writing this prayer for them to remember that at their disposal, they have the Holy Spirit. This is a power that will help us have the strength to live in discomfort in the midst of diversity. But then he not only prays for the power of the Holy Spirit to be uh, something that strengthens our inner being, he also says, wise. Verse 17 says, so that, or in order that, Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And then he says again why he prays the previous prayer that you being rooted and grounded in love. And that also has another direction. But let's just take that verse 17 uh, as, as one as one. The second thing that Paul prays for is not only that they are filled with the spirit so that they can be strengthened, but that's so that also Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith and that they will be rooted and grounded in love. And as I was trying to untangle this, uh, I read many commentaries, and sometimes that is even more confusing, because depending on what commentary you read, it's impressive the amount of different interpretations that you can find. It's not significant in terms of uh, the different deep doctrines. It's just they think that sometimes Paul is saying one thing or that it's slightly different than the other. But the main idea behind this Uh, is that Paul is praying for the Holy Spirit to help these people so that they can be grounded or that they can be firm in the love of Jesus. That will be an easy translation that most people would agree with. And what he's using, Paul is using as he prays, is the, the metaphor of being rooted and being grounded. And one of them is about maybe a tree. And the other one is maybe a building. And the idea is that he wants them to be rooted and grounded in love. And this love comes from Jesus Christ dwelling in them. So we can summarize by saying that Paul is praying that the church will have the power of the Holy Spirit. So that they can be grounded in the love of Jesus. And remember. The roots are not only what feeds the plant or the tree, it's also what provides strength, right? Especially in this area, I've noticed that trees with shallow roots are the first ones to go when winds come. And that will be the exact same thing for Christians. If we are not grounded in love, if, if our roots are not in Christ deep enough, we're not going to be able to withstand what's coming. And the same thing with Grounded or a building, if we don't have a foundation, we're not going to be able to withstand what's coming later. So, again, Paul is praying for the Ephesian church and he's saying, I want to pray that God will grant you the power of the Holy Spirit so that you can be strengthened and that you can also be grounded in the word, in the love of Jesus, so so that you can be firm in the love of Jesus. And then he moves on to the third or the reason why he praises two prayers before. And he says in verse 18, so that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend So everything that he's prayed before has the purpose that we will be able to comprehend that word strength is something that we come up with. The previous strength was referring to the strength given to us by the Holy Spirit. This uh, uh, strength in verse 18 is a strength that we have. It's almost an ability that we have to so that we may have the ability to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. So my interpretation of this is that, again, Paul is saying, because God is doing this new thing with many people, and it's going to be difficult, I'm going to pray that God will give you the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will give you the strength that you will be grounded in the love of Jesus and rooted in the love of Jesus, and you remain firm so that you have the ability to understand The immensity of God, of Jesus' love. That's my interpretation of this passage. I feel like this is the flow of what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul is saying that we need to be grounded in the love of Jesus. And Paul is saying that if we have these two things, then we are going to be able to understand the immensity, the multifaceted, and the multidimensional love of Jesus which is for all people. That the love of God is wide, is long, is high, and it's deep. It's no longer a small love that remains in one place for one people. No, it is now a love that encompasses all places, all peoples, all colors, all economic and academic and social statuses. It's a love that goes beyond what they thought. And this is especially true because in the Jewish community, the the more understanding or the more knowledge you had, the closer you were to Jesus. There was an understanding that the Pharisees and the Sadducees, those were the people that were closer to Jesus. The high priest, well, that's another level of closeness. Those were the people that were close to God. All the other ones, eh, they needed some help. But what Paul is saying here is that God, through Jesus, broke all the barriers. When he died, the curtain of the Holy of Holies was ripped. So there was no longer a need for a high priest. Nobody had an advantage. And this is exactly what Paul is saying. This is the kind of love that you have to now look up and sideways and downward and everywhere because it's everywhere. And this is the love of God that Paul is describing. It's a love that Jesus has for everybody. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit to understand this. And we also need to comprehend the love of Jesus to understand this. The problem with the Jewish system in a lot of ways is that it's sort of hinted to the fact that the more you uh, uh, followed rules, the closer you were to God. So there was an understanding that the better you behaved, the closer you were to God. There were ways for you to be closer to God. But what, what this is saying is that it no longer works like that. It's not narrow. It's not just one kind of people that get closer to God. Now God is getting close to us. And this is hard for them to understand. It's something that they couldn't wrap their heads around. And in fact, this this wasn't exclusive to the Jews. This was also the Greeks. This was also all the other gods. The more you obey them, the more altars you, you built for them, the more sacrifices you did for them, the closer you were to them. That's how it worked. And what's happening here is that God is breaking all these barriers down. And he's saying it's no longer how you understand it. It does not work in the way you thought it was going to work. And this is why Paul says that the love of Christ is not uh, big and wide and deep and high. It also says, and to know the love of Christ that that surpasses knowledge. And the word used for knowledge here, it's a knowledge that comes through reason. So Paul is basically saying, we need the Spirit. We need to understand the love of God that is no longer just for the ones who behave well or do things. No, we need to understand that the love of God is now coming to everybody, everywhere, in all kinds of different places. And I know you can't understand it. But then, Paul's prayer does not stop there. It just keeps building. First, he prays for the Holy Spirit. Then he prays for the love of Christ that dwells in them. Then he prays so that they can understand the depth and the height and all the multifaceted uh, love of Jesus Christ. And he says, and you can't understand it, but all of that culminates with one purpose. And he says at at the end of verse 19, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Think of that for a a moment. What does it mean that you may be filled with all the fullness of God? But especially in this progression. All right, you need the Holy Spirit. And I want the Holy Spirit to let you understand how God loves you. That is not because of what you do. I want you to be firmly grounded in in, in the love of Jesus so that you can understand that this love is not just for you or your people. It's for everybody. But all of that is so that you can experience the fullness of God that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. It is interesting that Paul uses that word, the fullness of God. Because Paul just talked about a God that has been revealing himself gradually through human history. He just talked about a plan that he had that nobody knew before and that he has now revealed to us. He also talked about how it is important for us to realize that this is a blessing that we have. Not only in Ephesians, but in in other parts of Scripture. We talked about Jesus telling his disciples, what you are looking at right now, it's what everybody else wanted to see. And then Peter telling us as people that even angels wish to see what we are looking at right now. And this is true. Moses, Abraham, Isaiah... Daniel, Jonah, all of the heroes of the Old Testament, they had an idea of God that was not fully complete, that was not complete. None of them saw Jesus incarnate as a part of God. They did not even have an idea. They're heard. They had hints. But we can experience and see the fullness of God. God. We have the totality of God in display to us. We don't have a partial view of God. We don't have an incomplete view of God. God has revealed himself in his totality. And this is important. Because everything that is building up, everything is building up to that point. And I am convinced that... Even though we can experience or be filled with the fullness of God, we are not even going to see it until we are in front of him one day. And Revelation 7 gives us a really clear picture of that, that we can only imagine, but we don't know how that's going to feel. And it's a white throne, God himself in front of us, and people from every tribe and every nation gathered together praising him. But the blessing is that we have a chance to get a taste of it right now. And this is important because now Paul ends this prayer that I think it's important for us to know that we need and moves on to worship. Paul's last part is a a praise. Verse 20, he says, Now to him, who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. Let me just pause there for a second. You've probably heard this this, uh, text quoted several times, especially in the prosperity gospel movement. But there's nothing about money that Paul is talking about up to this point. Zero. Paul has not even touched the subject on money or finances or material possessions at all. In fact, he opened opened Ephesians by talking about spiritual blessings. Remember that? And now he's talking about how God is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think. And it is true. But it's about the salvation of the people that we didn't think could be saved. God's power is way bigger than what we can think. It goes beyond our knowledge. It's more abundant. It includes more than what we think of in terms of the reach of the gospel and the kinds of people and the difficulty of the people. That is not for us to decide. God is able to do more abundantly than we can ask or think. And that is important for us to remember. I make the mistake of looking at the people around me. And sometimes I look at my neighbors and I'm like, ah, I don't know if that person, like, I really don't think that guy is ever going to get it. Like, I'm just going to waste my time. He, look at him, he's like, he's is never going to be a Christian, really. I make those assumptions daily. And what God is telling these people is that you think an Egyptian cannot come to me? Watch this. And God did it. And we have to understand this because Paul saw it firsthand. Paul was actually pursuing Christians to kill them, and then God flipped them, and now he was doing the exact thing that he was opposing. And Paul was a living testimony that anybody can get saved. And Paul is now saying, People, you're going to be surprised. I don't know if you guys are into the, the show, The Chosen. I know it's, for many people, it's uh, kind of controversial. Have you, you guys know what I'm talking about? That Jesus, well, I love that he actually hinted to this. And one of their quotes is, get used to different. And I remember watching that. And one of the things that captivated my attention was when Jesus calls Matthew. And the way they picture Matthew is very interesting. But Peter is the, the sellers guy who's like hyper and always on fire for all kinds of things. And, uh, and then they're walking with Jesus, and Jesus looks to Matthew, and he's clearly a tax collector, and he calls them. And I love it because they actually made, if you've seen it, I'm sorry if I'm s- spoiling it uh, for you, but Peter immediately goes to Jesus, and he's like, no, 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 no. Peter has seen how he called all kinds of other people, and he was okay with it. But when Jesus called Matthew, the first one to jump was Peter. And he's like, no, 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 no. You don't know what you're doing. Do you know what he does? And Jesus just like didn't say a word to to Peter. He's like, no, I think you're making a mistake. This guy is actually. and, And Jesus is like, take it easy, man. I know who this guy is. And this is exactly what Paul is doing here. He's like. You thought that this is the way that people get saved and this is the way the church looks like. And you thought that this is how how we're going to work. And and Paul is saying, no, we actually need the Holy Spirit to understand this. And he is way, he's able to do way more than what we think or imagine. According to the power at work within us. It's not our power. It's his power, but his power is at work. Within us. So when you and I go and tell people about Jesus or start a friendship with somebody, it is not you or your knowledge or your testimony or how good you are or how uh, your house looks. It's not you. It's not me. It's the power of Jesus that is at work within us. And Paul is saying, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. God is in the business of surprising us and eliminating Any credit that we might have. And he just also said it in chapter 2. He says, you have been saved by grace through faith with what purpose? So that nobody may boast. God is saving us in such a way that when we face him, we can just shut our mouths and say thank you. Because we know we didn't do anything. And he's doing the exact same thing when it comes to building his church. He's building his church in such a way that one day we're going to come in front of him and I'm going to say and we're going to say, "Man, God, thank you. It wasn't because of me because you know nobody would have become a Christian if it was up to me." And that moves us to praise him. Everything that God is doing is for his glory, is for his honor, is so that he can take the credit, is so that we can understand his manifold wisdom, is so that we can just open our eyes and be completely surprised because we didn't think that was going to happen. That is what God is doing, and this should move us to praise him. And it should move us to praise him because if it wasn't because of this, you and I would not be here. The blessing is that none of us were part of the original covenant. Is that none of us had access to the God of the Jews. But guess what? You and I can actually now go and have the exact same rights as a Pharisee you can go with the exact same standing before God and present in front of him and be the exact same children of God as they are. We are now part of his household. We are now his children. We are now his possession. We are now his chosen people. We are now a holy priesthood. We are now his beloved bride. And that is what God accomplishes through the gospel for us. And this invitation, the one you and I remember every Sunday, is open to everybody. The people outside of this building, in this whole neighborhood, and in this whole city, they all should have the exact same option and invitation to join this family as you and I have. It doesn't matter if they come from Ukraine We have people from Ukraine here. It doesn't matter if they come from uh, uh, Saudi Arabia or Afghanistan or Iraq or Mexico or China. It does not matter. They deserve the same good news because God has opened the door for them the exact same way he opened the door for us. And it's not because of who they are or what they eat or how they dress or their level of education. It's by grace. It's through faith because God wants to save them just like he wants to save us. Is it going to be easy? No. It's going to be so hard. But it's worth every effort. This is the gospel that we have. We have a message That will bring hope to people. We have a message that will bring life into people's lives right now. I was reminded today during the prayer. And somebody said, when I was without Christ, I was physically suffering. I was physically dying without Christ. And the gospel brought life to my life. And that is the story of every believer. And there's people out there who are physically physically dying right now because they're afflicted or addicted or in the midst of all kinds of different things. And guess what? We have a message that can bring life to their lives and hope. And most importantly, eternal life. And that is the invitation for all of us here today. If you're not a believer, this door is open for you. We have a a God whose hands are wide open for you, even if you are the worst of sinners, even if you have doubts, even if you don't fully understand it, just come to him. He wants to take your load, and he wants to make it easy, and he wants to love you, and he wants to give you hope is not based on what we do. This is not Christianity. Christianity is a faith that preaches that we are saved by grace because of what Jesus did on the cross. We have forgiveness of sin and eternal life. So I have a small, quick application for us. I believe that God has appointed each one of us to be here today, going to this church today, going through this difficult situation today here in Manassas, Virginia in 2022 and he has a purpose. He has a plan and he's doing something that we cannot even imagine or think. We thought that God was taking this into a specific direction and we thought that maybe something failed but what God was actually doing was surprising us all. It is his plan it is His power. It is His church. It's not us. And if you've been here with us since we since, since left, you can tell and you can be a, a, a witness that it wasn't because of Chewie or because of anybody. The reason why we're still here is because God wants us to be here. There's no other reason. We thought that this was going to be a specific kind of church, but I think I suspect, I smell that God has a bigger idea. And He can do more than we can imagine or think in ways that we don't understand. And we're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to need the love of Jesus. We're going to be rooted in that. And I believe that we can experience the fullness of God in all its expressions if we're faithful. He's with us, it's His power. It's his plan. It's his will. It's his salvation. So I wanna I wanna challenge us all to continue walking together because my my wife and I finished a period of prayer and fasting, and we have decided that I don't know how, but Mexico and Manassas are both tied together. So we don't have to make a decision yet. Because there's no decision to be made in a sense. We're just gonna keep walking here with you guys. We're going to see this church through, and God is going to open the door somehow for this to be a part of what God is doing in Mexico. Yay. What does that mean? <laughs> I don't know what that means. Amen. I don't know how that looks. And you don't have the perfect pastor, and I, don't, I hope I'm not, we don't make the same mistake of putting pressure on. This is not this is not a choice idea. Please hear me. This is God's idea. And if God one day takes Chewy out of the equation, everything stays the exact same way. But I want to challenge us all (laughs) the faithful remains of New City Fellowship. And hear me. You can leave and people can leave. It's okay. We're not the only church and we're not going to be the church that does it right. No. We're just going to be a group of people who want to walk in whatever God wants us to walk. But I want to challenge us to pray, to depend on the Holy Spirit, to remember the love of Jesus and to extend it to others as well. So let's walk together and let's pray.